Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. Thankful for our Savior. And as Mark said, uh, you know, Christmas is something that what we celebrate at Christmas is not just something we should think about once a year. Uh, we miss a tremendous blessing when that's the case. And with that in mind, I want you to turn with me this morning to Matthew, Matthew chapter number 2. If you were here last week, you may recognize that we're picking up where we left off. Uh, we, last Sunday being Christmas, the actual day of Christmas, we studied Matthew chapter number 1, verses 18 through verse 25. And so this morning we're going to pick up at least where the scripture leaves off in chapter number 2 of Matthew. And as you find your place, I'll ask if you will to stand with me this morning as we read the word of the Lord in honor and reference to it today. Here the Bible says this, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people, Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go. And search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. God, thank you for health and strength to be here. Uh, Lord, thank you for giving us an opportunity to approach you today in prayer through Christ. And uh, God, I'm thankful we can come before you and lift our hearts and our burdens unto you. And Father, in a spirit of dependence, God, we want to call out to you today, Lord, and As we study your word, Father, we need you, and God, we need your power. Lord, I cannot change anybody's life, and I cannot transform anybody into the image of Christ, but Lord, you can, and I believe you will. And uh, Father, I'm thankful for that today, and I pray that you'd use this time and use the songs that were sung to do that very thing, to transform us and to mold us to be more holy people, to be more Christ-like people. God, I pray that you'd help us to hear what thus saith the Lord today. God, help me to handle your word with integrity and with accuracy, Lord so that what I say is truly what you have written for us and have spoken to us through your word. God, I pray for souls that might be here today that's lost. God, I pray for their salvation. Lord, for the soul that might be here today that's struggling. And God, for all of us as we seek to grow and mature in Christ, Lord, I pray that you'd help us today, help us to mature, and God, help our faith to become what you'd have it to be. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for first loving us. And in Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for standing. It's always amazing to me how fast or quickly Christmas comes and goes. I mean, it's built up, and 
You know, usually there's a process as soon as, even sometimes even after Halloween passes, you begin then seeing the Christmas decorations, the, the sales for Christmas, and some people have different systems, some people wait till Thanksgiving, but it's all hopped up and it's built up, but it comes and it goes so quickly. Many times, 25th comes and goes, and some people's a little bit slower than others, but we put up our trees, we put up all of our Christmas-specific decorations, but it's not long after that that all those things usually go put back up, and then I guess some people maybe are not on the ball as much. But as I began preparing for this week, I thought oftentimes we do the same thing in terms of Scripture. I mean, even myself, we study the birth of Jesus, we study what we studied last week, and of course Luke has the similar account, uh, the parallel account in his gospel. And a lot of times after we study that, there, we forget that there's other things in Scripture recorded about the boyhood of Christ. This text does not pick up immediately after uh, verse 25 closes. There is, is a span of time that passes between the closing of chapter number 1 and the opening of chapter number 2. So uh, while it seems sometimes our mind begins to think because it, one chapter closes, the next chapter picks up, that maybe chapter 2 happens at the same point as when Jesus was at the manger. And, but we learn in these verses of Scripture that it didn't. But Scripture records for us different aspects of the boyhood of Christ. And Luke has another instance when Jesus was a little bit earlier. But instead of just celebrating the birth of Christ, and I appreciate the direction that Mark went with our songs this morning, as I think they fit in with the direction I intend to go with the message today is, uh, where we oftentimes we celebrate His birth and we just kind of move on. We, as we put up our Christmas tree, we put up all the Christmas decorations and we move on. It's on to the new year, it's on to the next thing. Well, this morning I want us to, to think a little bit more about the birth of Christ and some of the things that happened, happened afterward. And the story, as we approach these verses of Scripture, we can ask the question, well, what, what happened next? We know He was born, we know He came to the earth by a virgin's womb, but then, then what happened? A lot of the details we don't have of what happened between his birth and when John the Baptist came and the initial ministry of Christ, but there are some things recorded for us, and here is one of those details. And now that the Savior's here, the Savior's come, and that's what we've kind of looked at over the past few weeks. We looked in Isaiah, the Savior's coming. We looked last week in the final chapter of Matthew, chapter number one, that the Savior is here. And now we see the response of different people now that he has come. We see a response of belief and a response of worship by these individuals who the King James Version describe as the wise men. But we also see a response of unbelief and we see a response of rejection. And they demonstrate, these wise men demonstrate a very important lesson for us and that is that Jesus is worthy of worship. And I think their response to Christ is a challenge to our own response to Jesus. Do we worship Him? Is our response to Christ the fact that He has come? And of course, in our context, He has come. He has bled and died for us and risen again. But is our response to Him, is it one of worship? And through the text, we can learn what true worship is and what it looks like and see if we're engaged in true worship. A lot of people have different things in their mind about what worship is or what it looks like or what must be happening or what must be taking place for us to be be able to describe what we're doing as worship, but I think this text gives us an insight as to what worship is, and therefore we can answer the question, are we engaged in that? Do we truly, or are we truly worshiping Christ? So I want us to look this morning in verses 1 and 2 at the fact that worship requires faith. 
The Bible says when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, and now we're given this context, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Many people have the picture in their mind that there's three of them because they give three gifts. And so I guess in that sense it makes sense, but there's no specific detail given that there was actually three men, but that does not change the meaning of the text, just for knowledge and understanding of the passage of Scripture. And they have come from the east. And these men, as described here, are wise men. And some, your version may have them described as magi, but they were specialists in astronomy. Which makes sense. They're following a star. This group, somebody said, this group, it was Warren Wiersbe who said this term refers to a group of scholars that study the star. But even he says and admits that we don't know a ton about these men, even in general, but specifically these, this group of wise men that are mentioned here in these verses. But something has caused their attention to be set upon one specific star. And they're believing that it is leading them to the Christ. If you study on this, I learned in, in preparing and studying this passage of Scripture is that people, we don't know for sure what got their attention on this star and what has them looking for this Christ, what has brought them to Jerusalem as far as we don't understand where they got, what got their attention set on this star. We don't know those specific details. One thing I read said this journey they have taken from the east, which was likely Babylon, has taken up to 40 days. It's possible that because of the the time where the Old Testament saints were kept brought into captivity by Babylon, that the Jews that were there interacted with these wise men, and these wise men became knowledgeable about prophecy like Numbers 24, 17, which says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not now. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. So because of that and their interaction with the Jews who had been brought into captivity, it's possible that they knew that there would be a star associated with the coming of the Christ, with the coming of the Messiah. Some writers said that it's possible that, Christ, that, that God gave them a vision, God gave them instruction to says to follow this star, but what the specific detail is that got them focused on this star and has them searching for this child, we don't know for sure. But nonetheless, we come to this passage of Scripture where according to verse number 2, they've come into Jerusalem and they're asking, where is this king of the Jews? They want to know where he's at because we have seen a star in the east, they say, and we have come to worship him. And what you have to remember here is the reason I say that worship requires faith is because when they come to find Jesus at this particular moment, Jesus is not wearing a crown. Jesus is not even a grown man. I mean, he's going to be at one to two years old during this time in which this passage of Scripture is taking place. He's not going to look like a king. He's not born in a palace. They're going to, to a house to find him. He was born to Mary and Joseph. Joseph's a carpenter. Doesn't seem that they have extreme wealth or they're extremely well-to-do or extremely prominent people in their society. But yet they've come and they say, where he is this king of the Jews? And they, by faith, embrace. However, they had come to knowledge that this star would recognize and bring them to the king. They have embraced that by faith, and they set a good example of what it means to worship God by faith, and you and I have to do the same. You and I, to worship God, must grab a hold of the truth of, that's revealed in Scripture about Him and worship Him by faith. I can't go anywhere today to, with my eyes to see God. You can't go anywhere today 
to see with your eyes God. So to worship Him, we must take the truths that are given in His Word and adore Him because of what His Word teaches us. Believe in Him because of the Word declares Him and worship Him based on that. It's based upon faith. Adoring God, loving God, just like these wise men are moving. Think about it. They've moved 40 days on faith that this is the King of the Jews. Herod is the King right now. Granted, he's not rightfully in that place. He's not even from the nation of, or from the descent of David. But he's, so he's not rightfully in that role. But they see this little child, and they, or they haven't seen it even up to this point. But they're declaring him to be the king. So to worship him, we must do so by faith. Believe what we read about him in the scriptures. And worship him based on what it tells us. But also our worship, true worship requires humility. You see the response of these wise men. They have come to know that this, this star is leading them to the Messiah, to Christ, and they've come to worship Him. But then King Herod's response is completely different. King Herod hears about this, and he's troubled. And the whole city of Jerusalem, they're concerned. They hear about another king, and they know Herod's their king. So that sounds like a problem. You can imagine being Herod, who has been placed here by the Romans, who's in charge of Palestine at the time, so uh, some people will describe Herod as a puppet king. He basically did what the Romans wanted him to do. He's not even truly in line for this throne. He is from Esau's descendants, not Jacob's. And so now he hears from these wise men. These wise men, they must have come into the city of Jerusalem, and they're asking all over the place, where is this king of the Jews? And they're going around everywhere. Where is this king of the Jews? Where can we find this one that we've come to worship? And because of their uproar and that also might tell you now there's more than three, but regardless of how many there might have been, they, the king hears there's somebody looking for the king of the Jews, and they're not looking for him. So naturally, that stirs what Herod sees as a threat to his kingdom. What Jerusalem sees is maybe a battle that's going to ensue, a fight that's going to happen. They're all troubled. King Herod was a, was a cruel man. I read that he had one of his wives killed along with some of his sons and other relatives because he uh, thought them to be committing treason, could going against him, and so he had them killed. So he's a cruel, cruel individual. He's the first that would rule in what's known as the Herodian dynasty. And then in verse number 4, he begins his scheming. We see, said that to say, we see that character play out in these verses. In verse number 4, we see him beginning his schemes. He gathers all the chief priests and the scribes, all these individuals who would have known the law, known the Old Testament, and he asked them, because he knew they would know, where is, it, where is this Christ going to be born? Where is the Messiah? Where is this Savior? Where is this King of the Jews going to be born? Where can I find Him? And they said unto Him, In Bethlehem of Judea. And how did they know this? Because it was written in the prophets, by the prophets. I told you the Old Testament tells a big story that, that a Savior's coming, and here's another one of those prophecies. And they give it from Micah, Chapter 5 and verse 2, as Matthew records it in verse number 6, they say he's going to be born in Bethlehem because that's what the Old Testament says. And so now that Herod knows this, he calls privately in, in verse number 7, these wise men. He knows they're looking and he asks them diligently, what time the star appear? Now his, his inquiry is not sincere. He does not care about the Christ in the sense of wanting to worship him, wanting to adore him as he 
would say in verse number 8, the rest of the narrative tells you and I he had no interest in worshiping Christ, could, had no, no heart for the person of Christ. He wants to know, he wants to know when the star appeared because that's going to tell him about how old this child is. So he's going to kind of be able to limit his window of who he's looking for. And ultimately we see that he wants to have him killed. So I said that the response of Herod is completely different from these wise men. Where the wise men have come to worship this child, Herod is seeking to kill this child. Herod's seeking to eliminate the threat. And so he does not embrace the promise of God. He just, I mean, it's interesting that these individuals are telling him about a prophecy, and he's asking them, what, what is this prophecy? Where is this child going to be born, this child of promise, this Christ? But as they tell him, instead of embracing this child for who he is, instead of embracing the truth by faith, he says, I have to get rid of this child. He tries to stop the promises of God because he did not want to give up his own throne. So I think it can be said this morning that pride will always keep you from worshiping. See, pride causes you and it causes me to see much more worth in ourself or so much worth in ourself that we can't see the worth of God. Worship requires humility because it's recognizing someone is greater than yourself. It's recognizing someone is superior in rank to you and King Herod could not bring himself to do that. The word worship, if you look up that word, will probably speak of Falling down on your knees, the literal sense of the physical posture of what many think of as worship. And pride will keep you on your feet, refusing to adore God because you really just adore yourself. Refusing to bow down to Him. Refusing to give Him the glory, the honor that He alone is worth. Pride makes us think that I deserve people showing me great respect rather than I need to be showing great respect in reverence to God. The story of King Herod shows us the obstacle that pride is to worship. You see, as you can look at it from a negative example with King Herod as we move in to look at the wise men and their example in verse number 11 where they come in to this child. We'll speak more about this, but in comparison to Herod who refuses to acknowledge this child other than to try to get rid of him, these grown wise men come in and bow down to this child who is likely... Two years old. We know that because in verse number 16, Herod sets the order out to kill all the children under two years of age. So that's where that we, a lot of times you'll see these magi, or these wise men in the picture, in the nativity scene. Well, we know they were not there then because of this. This is happening a year or two after the actual birth of Christ. And having a too high view of yourself, a too worthy view of yourself will keep you from seeing the worth of, of God. Which leads us into the final point I want to make to you this morning is that worship requires giving worth. Or you might simply say worship requires giving. And I don't mean that worship requires giving financially. That is a part of it. But worship at baseline means giving worth to God. So in verse number 9, the, the wise men, they go on their way. And they had heard, they heard the king, they heard him say, when you find him, come tell me so I can come worship him too. So then they set off again. The star which they saw in the east is now before them again. And 
They followed it until it appeared over where the Christ child was. Now, naturally, you're not going to be able to explain why this took place, and, and commentaries will go back and forth on what's, what this was, but most of them will say this is some supernatural work that God did, and certainly He could do that, where He put a star in the sky to lead these wise men. In other words, it's not something you can see now. It's not something that's going to happen now. It was a miraculous work that God did to lead these wise men to the Christ child. And so they follow this star until it rests over the house where Jesus stayed. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced, the Bible says, verse number 10, with exceeding great joy. And I, if you imagine, can you imagine, verse number 11 says they come into the house. And again, that's how we know they're no longer at the stable. But can you imagine these wise men, if it was a 40-day journey, and the commentary that said that based that on they're coming from Babylon, they travel X amount of miles a day, so that's a very rough estimate. But if it took... A length of time. They've been searching for this child. They went searching not knowing exactly where he was. They knew they was going towards Jerusalem, but they come into Jerusalem saying, where's this child supposed to be born? So they've been on this journey not even knowing where they're going, but now they walk into this house. And there he is. It's interesting to think about what Jesus might have looked like as a child. I mean, we think, but knowing who he is, he's probably a beautiful little baby. We probably like to think he was perfectly behaved, probably never cry, never... Of course, he was fully human, but in our earthly mind, knowing he's the son of God. But can you imagine as they walked in? They've been on this long journey. The stars led them to where they're supposed to be, and they walk into this house, and there's this child they've been looking for. And through their response, you and I gain an understanding of what worship, worship truly is. As soon as they come in, again, remember, these are grown men. And Jesus says, Two years old, Max. And they fell down and worship him. You and I have to understand that we worship in spirit and in truth. There's, in other words, we don't bow down to any sign, any statue, any symbol we must worship God in spirit and in truth for them the Christ child was here so they were able to literally bow down before him and they bring these gifts and they give so I said worship requires giving well they're actually giving giving gifts and these gifts you'll find there's they seem to symbolize different things they the each one symbolizes a different aspect of the life of Christ frankincense was a ointment or perfume the gold represents his deity, and that frankincense being the ointment or perfume that it was represents the fragrance of Jesus' perfect life. And, and then the myrrh was uh, something they used to embalm individuals. So it, was, it seems to symbolize his death. But as John MacArthur defines worship, he said, Worship is ascribing to God his worth or stating and affirming his supreme value. And I think that the wise men demonstrate that here. The wise men would have been Gentiles, and it's possible they didn't fully understand exactly who it is they're worshiping and all that him being the Christ entails. But you see them in their physical posture doing what you and I are to do spiritually, and that's to, to worship, to honor him. And that's how we adore Him. That's how we love Him. And they gave to Him. You see, 
God has commanded us to be giving and charitable. And it's, so it's a way to worship by giving our tithes and our offerings. Because we do that because why? Because God said so. It's a form of worship. When a husband seeks to love his wife sacrificially and selflessly, he's worshiping God because why? That's how God has commanded us to love our wives. When a person shares the gospel, he or she is worshiping God because we share that because God has told us to share the gospel. When we live out our life according to faith and we try to live our life according to the Scripture, that's worship. Because why do we do that? Because God is the one that we believe and trust to have authored the Scripture. So when we seek to live by His Word, that's worship. It's also said God has designed worship to be honor and adoration directed at Himself. So my question for you this morning is, do you truly do this. Do you truly show worship to God? Of course, if I ask you, you're going to say yes. You're at church on a Sunday morning. Do you worship God? Everybody in here is going to say yes. But what you see about the wise men that I think will see evident in our lives is that worship, worship, true worship will show up in the way you live your life. The magi walk in, the wise men walk in, they fall down, they have gifts, and they give it to this little baby. Proper worship begins in your heart. Meaning you see and you understand the worth of Christ, the value of Christ, the honor of Christ. And then you show forth that in worship through your actions. Other words is, follow on what I was just saying, if we don't seek to live by God's word, if we seek to live any way we want to, if we don't do any of the things that God has commanded us to do, we are not worshiping God. Because worship is honor directed at Him. And if we don't live the way He has instructed us to, then we have not placed any honor on Him. I like what Warren Wiersbe said in his book called Real Worship. He said, Worship is not an unexpressed feeling, nor is it an empty formality. Meaning, you cannot truly worship and there not be evidence of it in your life. But it also means we don't gather together and go through the motions. Worship is when you truly sense the worth of God, the value of God, and then because of that, you respond to that and given. Honor to His name. True worship occurs when you have a real sense of the value of God. It's interesting as you look at these verses that the men who knew where this child would be, the men who knew this prophecy, the scribes and Pharisees, they knew they said He'll be in Bethlehem, Judea. That's where you'll find Him. But they don't go on this journey with these men. And I think their response acts as a foreshadowing to how Christ's people would respond to Him. I told you these are Gentiles that have come. These wise men would have been Gentiles. They're the ones that's bowed down to worship Him. They're the ones that's traveled a long, long way to come and bow down before Him. See, I think a lot of people have a thought in their mind that worship only occurs from 9 to 11 on a Sunday morning and maybe from 7 to 8 on a Wednesday night. That is a form of worship because why do we gather? We gather because God has ascended us not forsaking, God has commanded us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So when we come together, it is a form of worship because we do this because this is what God has instructed us to do. Preaching is a form of worship because we're honoring God's word. But if you see your worship is ending once we say amen and you walk out these doors, you're missing true worship. Because worship is going to take a hold of every moment, every single day of your life. Worship is not just something we do on Sunday. Worship is not just something we do on Wednesday. 
Those are elements or parts of our worship. True worship requires giving worth to Christ, not just at a particular moment in the week, but day by day, moment by moment, giving worth to Him. The way you and I do that now that He's ascended back to heaven is by honoring His Word, living according to His will. And then God, in verse number 12, in protection of His Son and in control of all things, warned these wise men to go home a different way. They were not to go back to report to King Herod for King Herod had ill intentions towards this child. But as Warren Wearsby said, the Magi were seeking the king, Herod was opposing the king, and the Jewish priests were ignoring the king. And I think in those three responses, you'll find the way every single person in the world also responds to the king. They respond in one of these three ways. Either they seek the king, they worship the king, they believe in the king, or they may oppose the king, or they may just be like the scribes and Pharisees and just kind of dismiss him, ignore him. My exhortation to you this morning is do as the wise men did to worship him. Day by day, moment by moment. Adore God and express that adoration, for that's worship. We say all day long we worship Him. You see, the wise men, they said we've come to worship Him, but then in verse number 11, you see the actions of worship. It was something that impacted their life. It was something that impacted their actions. And true worship will do the same. And to do this, you're going to have, you must have faith. We've never seen God with our eyes physically. We did not see Christ on the earth. We did not see Him on the cross. We did not see Him buried and rose. We did not see that. We embrace it by faith. We have to embody humility and resist pride, understanding He's much more worthy than we are. And we have to give God the worth due to His name. So I'd ask you this morning as we stand together, which of these three responses to Jesus that we see in the text does your life reflect the most? Would you say, and I'm not just talking about why you're here. I ask you not to think about why you're here. Think about what your life looks like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And in, those, in the way you live your life, do you think your life reflects the most worship, indifference, or opposition? And do like the wise men said in verse number 2. They said, we've come to worship Him. Make that your aim today. As you reflect on your life, and the direction of your life, the actions of your life, if you sense worship, let the text encourage you to continue to worship Him. If you sense areas where there's not worship, where you do your own thing, where you go your own direction, where you don't adore God like you should, where you know God has given you instruction, but you kind of ignore it, you kind of brush it off, I think the text calls on us to repent of that today and give God the place of honor that he's deserved. God has given you and I so much. The, the interesting thing about worship is that worship is something we get to give to God. It's really the only thing we can give to God is worship. So I just ask you today, will you give that back to him? As Mark comes around and leads us in a song of invitation, if you need to come and pray, please be obedient to his spirit this morning. 
Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.